Father, again, we thank you so much for all that you are doing in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the ability to worship you even this morning, God, and experience some of your presence, God. Lord, I pray that right now you would begin to shift our hearts, Holy Spirit, and awaken us to be able to receive straight from your throne room. Lord God, I pray that you would anoint my words, God, that you would take over my mouth, that you would allow us to receive revelation this morning. Lord, would you open our eyes that we could see you, Jesus, in greater measure? Lord, would we see you in your beauty? Would you open up our ears so that we could hear what your spirit is saying to us, God, as individuals and us as a church, Lord God, us as the church, God, would you open up our hearts to receive all the revelation that you want to give us this morning? Lord, would you do what only you can do? We stand at a place, God, recognizing our need of you and crying out for mercy, God. Mercy not only for ourselves, but for our friends, our families, our neighbors, our nation, and our world. God, we need you, and we need your power. We need your power, Lord God, to see the supernatural in our day. God, I ask that you would move upon this word, God, and awaken us to what you are doing in this season and how we are to act and respond. Lord, receive glory for it in this place. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. Amen. I hope you're hungry this morning because we're going to go on a, a whirlwind of uh, a, a type of a message this morning. I believe you'll be able to grab a hold of it, and it will go down deep in your hearts but I know that there's going to be a lot that you are going to receive this morning. So I say that as a preface just to buckle up because you will be getting and receiving a lot this morning. I'm not going to review last week. If you would like to review the, the, the message from last week on wisdom, I also highly encourage you to, to visit the uh, devotions that were represented over this past week. If you're not receiving the devotions from the, our time of prayer and fasting, we are in that midst, uh, in the midst of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, we send out those daily video devotionals. How many of you are receiving those and are appreciative of what's been sent? Amen. If you want to uh, take part in those, I think there may be a way in your bulletin that you can check it out. If not, see Luke in the back. He'll, he'll get you hooked up and you'll be able to receive those via email each morning. So turn with me right now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, picking up kind of where we left off after going through all of chapter 1 last week and going into some other things. It says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God. God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." 
Verse 9, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the, into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, and yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." I'm going to continue into chapter three here in just a second, just to give lay a foundation. We're not going to camp all throughout Corinthians this morning, but I want to lay a foundation for where we are heading this morning. This piggybacks on last week talking about the wisdom of the world being foolishness and the wisdom of God being all the things that bring forth what we truly need. If we as Christians come with uh, an understanding that we can persuade somebody into Christianity, we're already at a loss. If we think that we can do something in our own strength according to our own minds and our own natural ability without humbling ourselves and becoming like fools, we are already set up for failure. But if we come humbly before God and before men, allowing the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to be the one that ministers through us, then we shall see the power of God. The message this morning is pathway to the pathway to the power. Pathway to the power. And for many of us, we get excited in the charismatic world, Pentecostal world, evangelical circles. When we say the word power, that makes us get excited because we love to see divine acts of God, supernatural miracles, signs and wonders. We love to see when true prophecy is in, in its full effect. We love to see people getting healed of, of sickness and blind eyes being opened and deaf ears being opened so that people can hear. We love it when salvation comes to those that we didn't think could ever have been saved. We love seeing these things, but can I tell you, that's not the only demonstration of the power of God. The demonstration of the power of God comes to those who are humble, those who are meek, those that seek after him in the day-to-day, -day, in the daily grind, in the 24-7 of your day, not just the two hours a week when we focus directly upon it or, or one hour a day when we give a devotion or, or however we, we orchestrate our lives. Can I tell you the power of God is the power that came and changed and transformed us from the inside out. The power of God is when we recognize we didn't come to Christ and receive salvation because we were of something, that we had it all together. But we come to Christ recognizing that we had to experience the power of God in order to come into new life. We had to experience the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and continue to walk in it in order for us to, to be those that say, hey, we are in faith. Let me, let me, let me put it this way. In the, in the first couple of verses, 
You see verse 4 and it says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith is not reliant upon the, the hearts of men or the wisdom of men. It must be reliant upon the power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit works in our lives every single day. Paul goes on this discourse and you see many different things that he, he starts to bring out. He, he talks about all the things that God has uh, concerning his glory. And in verse 9 he says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Man, I love that scripture. I love that passage because it, it helps me understand that as much as I can imagine, as much as I have already seen, it tells me that nothing I've seen, nothing I've heard by story, by testimony, by someone else's experience, as great as it may be, there is nothing compared to all the glory that is to, going to be revealed to the hearts of his children. He's got more for us. He's got more for us. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, heart is not understood. But there's so much more concerning what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal. And I believe part of the keys begin to be unlocked as you continue reading through this. He has revealed them to us through who? His Spirit. His Spirit. I don't know about you, but I rely heavily upon the Holy Spirit. The moment I wake up and I start acting in my own wisdom and in my own understanding, that happens by default, by the way. We have to diligently wake up and ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to be our wisdom. He will continue to convict us. He'll continue to encourage us. I understand that. But can I tell you, you don't wake up automatically and start quoting scripture. Maybe some of you do. And uh, praise God for you. You're, you're holier than I am this morning. But most of us wake up and we're, we're trying to just simply get our act together for the day. <laughs> we're trying to get our teeth brushed and, our, and get a shower and, and get, get our clothes in order and maybe prepare some breakfast or get some things set for the day. But can I tell you, we need so much the power of the Holy Spirit, especially in this time. I'm not saying this is a static word this morning. Everything that I'm saying now that I've already said and I'm about to say is strategic for this season that we are walking in. If we don't choose to wake up with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, I'm telling you, we are going to find ourselves crushed by the weight of the world, by the weight of the distractions and the, the forces of evil. I'm not saying that we don't overcome them. I'm not saying they're more powerful than us. I'm just saying if we don't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot do it in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning, can I tell you, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. He is the one that reveals these things. You want to know who God is? You're not going to get it just by listening to me this morning. You're not going to get it even by simply reading through this book. If the Holy Spirit doesn't illuminate while you're reading this book, it is of no effect. Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees and the, and, and the Sadducees, he said, you search for salvation in the scriptures, but really they have no life. There's no life in the scriptures alone. The life is in the understanding, the revelation, the power that actually comes through the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. I'm laying a foundation for you this morning. 
So all the while, Paul simply just emphasizing, I, I can't persuade you. You need the power of God. And if you try to act as the church in Corinth, if you try to act as the church in Concord this morning, in Charlotte this morning, in America this morning, and you try to come at it I was with persuasiveness of your own thinking, you are not going to persuade anybody. And you're just going to have a little click. You're going to have a social club. You're not going to have the kingdom of heaven. Get things aligned and get things in order. This is the foundation. In chapter 3, we'll continue reading here. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you still are not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Let me pause there for a second. We've talked about this many times in the past, but can I tell you, within the church, all of our divisions, all of our schisms, all the different things that we think we have better understanding of, it's all for nothing. If the Lord looks at us and the Holy Spirit truly illuminates what's going on inside of our hearts, as as wise as we may think we are in Christianity, when we have these divisions and we have envy and we have strife, Paul is saying, you are walking in the flesh. You are walking in carnality. And can I tell you, the Lord wants nothing more than to see carnality crushed and brought low during this season, during this hour. This goes beyond just the church. This goes into our nation where you see the church even divided in political ways and in natural realms where we find ourselves on either side of an aisle. Can I tell you, if you're sitting on a side of an aisle, you're in the flesh. You're in the flesh. We place our trust not in the wisdom of men, not in the wisdom of Republican or Democrat this morning, not in the wisdom of a person. We place our, our, our hope and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's skip down to verse 9 here. He talks, let me, let me just tell you, he's talking about some sow, some plant, some, some reap the harvest. Verse 9, it says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let me pause there for a second. This is, again, laying foundation, literally. You were reading about it. The foundation is Jesus Christ himself. If we get off of Jesus Christ and what he has imparted to us through the Holy Spirit, we are building something that is not of his kingdom. It is of this world. He goes so far as to say that in verse 12, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple are you, you are. 
Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Skip down. It says, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and they are futile. Verse 21, therefore, let no one boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul, Apollo, Cephas, or the world of life or death, the things present or things to come, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Skip down to chapter 4, verse 18, and it says, now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know, not, oh, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I'll say that again. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Paul talking to the Corinthian church, really getting ready to lay the smack down on the church of Corinth. We're not going to get into the rest of those chapters this morning. We'll get into some of those over the next several weeks. But can I tell you, the emphasis here, again, is not on the wisdom of men, act like a fool, and come to the realization that if you're not walking in the Spirit, you don't have the power of God. You don't have the wisdom of God. If you're not walking in the Spirit, then the kingdom of heaven is not operating in you. It's not advancing. We must be advancing the kingdom of God according to the Spirit of God. Earlier, I read that this foundation has different things being thrown into it, some gold, some, some silver, some hay, some, some straw, different things that can be refined and then other things that will burn up and become nothing. What is it that we are constructing this morning with our hearts and with our minds concerning Jesus Christ? It talks about each one's work clearly being revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work what sort it is. When I read this, I think clearly of what's going on in the book of Daniel, and you know the, the, the three Hebrew, Hebrew children that went through the fiery furnace, and I, I actually want to go into Daniel here in a moment and begin to, to show you some things that I believe are prophetic to where we are as a nation today, as the people of God today, and some things that we really need to learn. I, I, I know many of you have known the stories that are, we're about to go over, but don't turn a deaf ear to it this morning because we need some Daniels to arise in this hour. We need some, some Shadrachs, some Meshachs, and Abednegoes to be able to walk with Jesus in the fire. We need, we need some Daniels to arise at all, 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 all senses of life, whether young or old, and you'll see what I mean in just a moment. We need some people that are able to go through extreme hardship and come out not smelling like smoke. I believe... It's going to get extremely hard for the church, but there's incredible hope where God is taking the church right now, amen? I believe a couple of weeks ago, just naturally in our nation, you could say civility and order was pretty upset in our nation, and I'm not going to get into a news cycle this morning. I'm not going to repeat to you what you've already heard or entertained as to who's responsible and whether conspiracy or, 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 or natural things. Regardless, there is within our current nation humanity that does not serve the Lord, Civility and order and a fear towards God is something that is far from the, the banner that waves over this nation. 
We say it in our pledge that we are one nation under God, and I know many are trying to remove that from our language and remove that from our, our currency and everything else, but can I tell you, there is a heartbeat in this nation. There's a flow of the Spirit operating in His church, the remnant church that is, that is arising right now, causing some, some things to arise, causing us to say, you know, some things are not right. Maybe even if you're, not a, you're a person that's not normally active or or vocal about how you feel concerning what's going on in the nation or in society, all of a sudden some things are beginning to stir in your hearts over these past several months and in recent weeks. Why? Because now is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to show God off, to fear him and to show this nation, our generation, his power. I already told you, the way to that, partially, partially, is walking in a life of relationship with the Holy Spirit. But you know what the rest of the pathway is? I believe right now for the church of Jesus Christ, it's going back to Babylon, friends. It's going back to Babylon. That may not seem encouraging to you, but I want to remind you that Babylon is a place that is not catastrophic. It's something where God does something beautiful with the people of God. There's something very different concerning Babylon where they were in exile versus living in Egypt where they were in slavery. There's a huge difference between the two. Let me remind you of something. As Jeremiah prophesied and watched the children of Israel be taken into Babylon under an enemy government, some of these words may sound familiar to you or understand seem parallel to what you see in this life. Jeremiah 17 verses 5 through 9 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit. Hallelujah. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I added that verse on there at the end to let you know what the context of this prophecy actually is. We love to stop before we get to the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who who can know it? Above all things, who can know the, the deceitfulness of the heart? But it gives you an understanding of verse 5 where it says, Cursed is a man who trusts in man. Why do we trust in man? Because our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are deceived. We give ourselves over to all kinds of pleasures and all kinds of things. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. There's a blessing that comes to those who trust in God. There's a power that flows to those who are seated in a place of complete rest and peace and trust in God. There's nothing more amazing than seeing a Christian who is going through extreme situations and being able to walk through it with a smile on their face, not feigned, not false, not, not, not made up, but a true joy, a true peace in their heart. And they walk in the power of God. 
Can I tell you that's what our nation needs to see is the power of God at all times. Not just signs, wonders, and miracles. Yes, we need to see those things, but we need to see the power of God in that sense. A couple of weeks ago, a trumpet blast of those deceitful hearts that came to us as the people of God. It trumpeted the fact that you cannot trust a liberal or a conservative, a Republican or a Democrat. But guess what, friends? You can trust in God. You can trust in him and blessed are those who trust in him. I believe that we have been chosen to move from cursed to blessed in and through Babylon. Let me expand that for you. The church in Babylon is God's refining of his people and God's revelation of himself. I'll say that again for those of you who are taking notes. The church in Babylon is God's refining of his people and God's revelation of himself. When you go through tough times and you're forced into a situation, God always comes through for his people. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. As difficult as it may be in life, he never turns his back on us. Instead, he reveals himself and he refines us. Listen to 1 Peter 4. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Let him praise God that you can bear his name. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The world, I believe, can clearly see that things are not right in our generation. Many have different opinions on what that looks like. And we can't discuss all of them in a, in a, in a setting like this. But I believe that I've heard from many, many that are not what you would say, quote unquote, church people, many God-fearing people or those that would consider themselves even religious of any, any form. They're already saying that, you know what, it looks like what's going on could be God's judgment. He might, he might be trying to get our attention. He might be trying to get our attention, but the church is saying, oh, surely it's not. Surely we just need to rise up during this hour. Yeah, there's some truth to that. But can I tell you, God judge those, judges those whom he loves. He starts in the house of God. And his judgment is mercy. His judgment is love. He's not trying to crush us to kill us so that we're so that we're just simply removed no he's trying to get the carnal nature out of us what he truly redeemed us for so that we could be refined and come out pure and spotless leonard ravenhill who wrote the incredible book Revi why revival tires tarries excuse me similar said this the early church was married to poverty prisons and persecutions Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. Many preachers have degrees but don't have the heat. If Jesus preached the same message ministers preach today, he would have never been crucified. Let that sink in for a moment. I'm not condemning the church of Jesus Christ this morning. I love the church of Jesus Christ and his bride. 
But can I tell you, if we don't preach truth, if we don't preach the, 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 the very truth that God's desire is to get the carnal nature out of us, that he's okay with us and just simply wants to bless us, can I tell you, he, does, he cannot bless sin. He cannot bless idolatry. He cannot bless those that have hearts that are half towards him and half in the world. We want the pleasure and presence of God, but the pleasure of this world as well. You can't have both, friends. You can't have both. You can have him or you can have nothing. Because the pleasures you think that you could even experience, they will not last and they will not even bring you true pleasure. But in his presence is fullness. In his presence there is joy. In relationship with him, in abiding with him, there's the fullness of his glory, fullness of revelation, fullness of understanding. We walk in truth. We walk in humility. We begin to exhibit and, and be empowered with the grace of God that calls us to walk as those that are selfless, those that are kind, those that are walking in the fruit of the Spirit. I believe Babylon has removal and revealing characteristics. We need to move quickly here. But when God brought his people to Babylon, he was going to remove, reveal, and remove and identify. God would identify during the 70 years of being captive in Babylon while Israel suffered from idolatry for over 900 years at that point when they were moved into a place of exile. They were already brought out of out of slavery, but they gave themselves back over to idolatry. We're so prone to it as the church. We see all kinds of idols shown throughout the history books. You see Molech, you see Ashtoreth, you see Chemish Baal, and all these others, and I encourage you to look them up and see what their representations are in our society today. You see the god Molech with abortion today. You see, you see Baal, Baal shown in so many different places. All these different gods, all these different sexual gods and different things that right now in our nation, they're trying to redefine God's truth, God's word. Can I tell you, we cannot sit silently and idly while things like this go on. What is interesting is that after the 70 years in Babylon, idolatry in Israel was toppled and idols would no longer again be seen in the nation of Israel. You wouldn't see another natural idol erected. Now, if you were to look at Jerusalem today, you could say, yeah, there's plenty of idolatry. But in the sense of worshiping just flagrantly and just worshiping just in, in the public and having other gods erected, there wouldn't be such a thing. There'd be other religions that would try to come in, but within Israel, there wouldn't be another idol erected. Isn't that awesome to think that during the 70 year period where God was refining his people, all of a sudden idolatry was removed. Can I tell you when God judges in that way, it's too refined and it's too, too purify and allow things to come to the surface to reveal and identify. God brought them into captivity in order to bring out his best. That is God's heart. He is a great God. We sang about him this morning. He is so good and he's always good. The Daniels, the three Hebrew children, the Esthers weren't raised pre-Babylon. They were raised up in and through Babylon. 
I've been asked numerous times over the past few months about whether or not I felt that we were living in the last days. And maybe you've had similar conversations. Listen to what Paul, the Apostle Paul said concerning the kind of person that was going to be raised up in the last days. And you tell me if you see that kind of person today. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. I would say, yes, we are living in the last days. I don't know where exactly we are on that timeline, but can I tell you, we are in the last days. And we need to awaken during this season. Satan unleashes his worst in the last days, but God unleashes his best. That's what we have to look forward to. As the storm gets fiercer, God releases his absolute best. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches about the last days this way. In verse 17 of chapter 2, and it shall come to pass. In the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams. Your old men shall dream, or your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maids, men servants, and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. When Satan unleashes his worst, God unleashes his best. Listen to me, guys. In Egypt, they had no freedom. The people of God had no freedom for 400 years. They were slaves, enslaved for 400 years. In Babylon, they were in exile, but had some freedom with restriction for 70 years. Did you hear me? Some freedom with restriction for 70 years. Can I tell you, that's exactly what we're heading into. We're not becoming enslaved right now, but we are coming into a time of being, quote unquote, having some freedom with restriction, but I believe that's only going to continue to spiral out of control until we're choked. (laughs) But nonetheless, God reveals his best. Babylon was deceitful with its false freedom, and this is where God is taking its church. When they went into exile, they walked in with a sense of some freedom, but it was slowly taken away by edicts and decrees from the kings that that sat in, in high places in the land over the years. Slowly, one after another, there would be things that would say, you must bow to this idol. You cannot pray any longer. Slowly but surely, things are being chipped away. Did you see what's happening? They came to Babylon able to pray. They came to Babylon able to bow before Yahweh, but then all of a sudden, in that exile, all those religious freedoms began to be taken away. Bow here, no more praying there. You must worship only the king. You must only worship the highest government in the land. Jesus said it this way when he was talking to his disciples. You will have three things in this world. He promised them that one, they would be absurdly happy. Number two, they would be entirely fearless. And three, they would always be in trouble. (laughs) Tribulation will always be about you. 
but no, do not fear. Why? Because I have overcome the world and my spirit's inside of you. We're going into this. Okay, so some spoil alerts. We're not going to go through the entire stories, especially for sake of time this morning. But just think about the stories that are going on in Daniel. The people of God had to be a powerful people, a, a miraculous supernatural people, and that's what God wanted to form within them. The world government, in a sense, ended up doing the evangelization for them. And I believe that's what we're going to see as the church of Jesus Christ stands in this hour. The people of God stood up for what is right. God showed up, and the opposing government declared that God is God time after time. I believe that God is getting ready to do three things, and he's getting ready to do it through his church. The first thing is that Daniels are going to rise up in government. Daniels are going to rise up in government. We prayed for these gates this past year on different areas, and I believe that it's not a focus on any one of these things. It's all of these areas that God will raise up godly influencers and people in places of politics and people in places of government and law that will be able to rise during an hour and operate out of their spiritual gifting, not their wisdom, not their kind of carnal thinking. When Daniel came into the picture. It wasn't that he operated according to his, to his own natural wisdom. In the story with Nebuchadnezzar, when Nebuchadnezzar was asking all the wise men in his court to, to interpret his dream without them knowing what it was, none of them could do it. None of them could do it. The, the wisdom of all the land the wisest people in all the kingdom, they couldn't interpret the dream. But a man with a spiritual gift... A man with a spiritual gift was able to interpret the dream. We'll get into that part of Corinthians in the weeks to come. But can I tell you, when you operate in a spiritual gift and you operate in the power of God, that's when things begin to change. Not the wisdom of men, but the wisdom of God. Look at it. You need to see the words. Daniel chapter 2. For this reason, the king was very angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the, wiz, all the wise men of Babylon. This is verse 12 of chapter 2. Verse 13, so the decree went out and they began killing all the wise men and sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What did they do? What they always do. It wasn't that God just dropped something out, out of heaven as a, an extreme flash of lightning and, and took out Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't overthrow him in that way. No, the people of God went to the place of prayer. They went to the place of worship. They went to the place of crying out to God because they knew they couldn't do it in their own wisdom or their own strength. They knew that there wasn't a degree or a professor, no textbook, no sense of wisdom from man that was get it, going to get them through this. They needed a word from God. In verse 19 of chapter 2, it says, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. 
Listen to verse 46, where Daniel gave Nebuchadnezzar all this and said, here's your dream and here's what it means. Verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, truly your God is the God of gods the Lord of lords and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal the secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Here's what happened. God's people stood up. Daniel stood up. God showed up and then the heathens began to evangelize for them. God's people stood up, God showed up, and then the world declared that God is God. That's what we need to see. As much as you want to declare God is God, you need God to show himself real on his own. How does that happen when the people of God cry out? When they go to the place of prayer and they operate in the gifts that he gives them, then even in the natural, man will be promoted. All of a sudden, Daniel got promoted from a simple wise man to a place of prime minister in the kingdom who would serve there for generations. Who was declaring God as God? The world was declaring God as God. That is the power of God. That's the power that I'm talking about. This is incredible. We must also look at using our gifts to possess the gates. I believe we will see more godly men and women rise up in these places of influence. Joseph's, Esther's, Daniel's, all examples of being placed in places of government during the time of Babylon and thriving because of what God did through the gifting he gave to them. Let me say it this way. I'll share a story with you. How How many of you are familiar with William Wilberforce? William Wilberforce. Many of you are students of history, and I, I love the story and, and the, the fight that he went through for so many decades to, to see slavery abolished in England. He sat on par- parliament in England, and he was getting weary in his fight to see things abolished. He was getting weary. He was at the end of his rope, and he was about to quit. But all of a sudden, there was an 88-year-old man that sent him a letter Many of you know this story, but others, this will be the first time you're hearing it. An 88-year-old man sent him a letter on February 24th, 1791, six days before this 88-year-old man was to die. That changed William's life forever. The 88-year-old's name was John Wesley. He sent the letter just before he died. Wesley had spoken out against slavery repeatedly as one of the chief sins that had hit all of Europe. Wesley preached against it, but Wesley needed a Daniel in politics to destroy it. Did you hear me? Wesley preached against it, but he needed a Daniel in politics to destroy it, and that was Wilberforce. I'm glad that I can stand here in the pulpit and preach against different atrocities and things for you all, but can I tell you that I can preach against abortion until my, my, my face turns blue. 
I could fill this room with hot air all day talking against the atrocities that are in our nation, all the lies, all the deceit, all the, all the idolatry. But unless we begin to see people rise up in all areas, we won't see full societal change. And only God can do it. I don't put my trust in man. I don't put my trust in government. But I trust that God will allow us to operate in such a way that we will influence the people of the land. So listen to what Wesley's words said. I got to hurry. Dear sir, unless the divine power has raised you up to be as Athenius Contramundum, basically a man who slapped a lot of people around in the religious circles getting doctrine right, as he saw it, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that ex- execrable villainy, which is the scandal, scandal of religion, of England, of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and of devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might till even American slavery, the vilest that ever saw the sun, shall vanish away before it. For 18 more years after Wilberforce received this letter, he continued the fight because of what this man of God responded to out of operating in a place of simple obedience, walking in the spirit. Wesley preached before thousands. He saw many great moves of God throughout the the nations, and, and he was used mightily of God. But this powerful thing that happened right here was just simple obedience. And that could be any one of us in this room. Anyone with a pen stirred by the Holy Spirit, sending a word that causes somebody to not quit and go on and establish what God has desired to set things right. We need some Daniels. We need some Wesleys. We need some individuals that will walk in the power of God. Hallelujah. Are you still with me this morning? What happens when the church goes to Babylon? Daniels will rise up in government. The second thing that happens is that youth will not bow. You know those young men, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you will find that youth will not bow and they will raise up with a voice that they had not seen before. They will find their voice, God will give them that voice, and they will not bow. If I understand Jeremiah correctly, 70,000 Jews were deported to Babylon over different deportations into Babylon. 70,000 Jews were brought into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. That means that when the trumpet went off and it was mandated that if you would not bow, the penalty would be that you would be thrown into a fiery furnace. Only three people stood up and declared that they would not bow. That means where was the other 69,997, did I say that right? You understand what I'm saying? Where were they? They didn't go to the fire. They stood silent. They bowed. Or at least they weren't found out. We don't know the full story. But can I tell you, these three men stood up. And can I tell you, sometimes that's all it takes. God works in the smallest of things. Three young men would not bow. That was the posture of these young people, regardless of the consequence of a fiery furnace. In the last days, this is a last days trial that will produce, that needs to produce knees that will not bend and voices that will not back down. 
This is the pathway to the power of God. In Daniel 3, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that if we do not serve your gods, that we, or excuse me, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They weren't worried about being offensive. They weren't worried about being politically correct and actually ultimately when we do that, we become ineffective. They were worried about worshiping the Lord, their God. We've got a lot of young people today that don't really know what their voice is. They know how to speak through their thumbs, but not with their mouth. And that's not just a, a, a condemnation or a simple critique. I'm saying... It's about time that some, some young people get, get into a place of secrecy with God and a place of prayer and worship and get the mind of God, the spirit of God behind them so that they can have a voice. And when things come their way, they don't back down, but they have a voice that stands firm. They don't bow before any idol. They don't bow before any government, any edict, any declaration, but they stand upon the word of God. Parents, I challenge you. Our children are being heavily influenced in this time with systematic doctrination of societal redefinition of what God has already defined for us. We need to be raising up our children in a way that they know and fear God. Don't expect it to simply happen. Why does it have to happen in a sense of fire, in a sense of furnace, in a sense of affliction? Charles Spurgeon had a plaque on his wall and Isaiah 48.10 was written on it. It says, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. That probably wouldn't be our favorite verse to put on our wall. But nonetheless, he had this verse on his wall to remind him of something that was so true for all of us. And he wrote in his journal, we are chosen not in the palace, but in the furnace. In the palace, beauty is marred, fashion is destroyed, strength is melted, glory is consumed, yet here eternal love reveals its secrets and declares its choice. God will change politicians' hearts, our neighbor's heart, our unsaved family's hearts, Israel's heart, by our ability to go through the fire. I've read this passage to you but I got to get to the end of the story. And I know it's a little bit lengthy, but it's necessary. Can you bear with me? Daniel 3, 23, it says, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselor, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Let me put it this way. It was Jesus. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, servants of the most high God, Ironic because he just erected, what, a 70 or 90 foot image of himself. <laughs> 
come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, all the king's counselors gathered together. Sounds like Congress. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made as an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Now, I'm not ordaining what he said in response to that, but can I tell you, that's the world's way of recognizing the power of God. That's the way the world recognizes when, when God is at work. We evangelize through many ways. We evangelize through our words. We evangelize through our lifestyle. But we, guess what, friends? We evangelize most oftentimes through our toughest trials. Our toughest trials. C.S. Lewis was once asked, why do the righteous suffer? Why do they go through so many different things? And you know what his reply was? So simple, but so true. Because they're the only ones who can handle it. Because you are the only ones that can handle it, friends. Not because you have some supernatural power in your own strength or your own wisdom, but because you have the supernatural ability of God inside of you to be able to walk in the midst of the fire and the Lord himself will come beside you and allow not one hair on your head to be singed, to allow you not to even be smelling like smoke, not to be even looking a simple, like any, any wreck caused by the plan or scheme of the enemy. That's the God that we serve and ultimately we evangelize through our testimony. One last thing, I know I've been long, but I have to close with this last story with Daniel because this brings the generations together this morning. I believe that when the church goes to Babylon, it's the pathway to power. Number one, Daniels will raise up in government. Two, young people will find their voice and not bow under pressure. But three, laws will oppose, but we will be praying. The church will be praying. The church will learn to pray again. That's what happens in Babylon. A law came down from Darius, the king at this time, in Daniel chapter 6, that said you could not pray to anyone except the king. In verse 7, it says all the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Can I tell you, truth is not declared by popular vote or a court decision this morning. Truth is revealed by the living God from heaven, Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the truth. A preacher from the 60s, Fulton Sheen, said it this way, moral principles do not depend on a majority vote. Wrong is wrong even if everybody is wrong. And right is right even if nobody is right. We serve the true God, the one living God. What will happen to the church in this hour? I'm telling you, there will be more restrictions. 
There will be more decrees that you will see. There will be more censorship you see on social media. I believe we'll see the end of 501c3. I believe we'll see people being persecuted to the point of prosecution in this nation in the days ahead. But can I tell you, we will rise up more glorious than ever. When they try to put chains on the doors because we do not comply, can I tell you, God will be glorified. And the true church that's praying, the true church that walks in power, in relationship with the Lord, in relationship with one another, being built up, not as hay and stubble, but as things that can be refined in the fire like gold, with a foundation of Christ as, as the place that we build upon, each one built up in their own giftings and in their own place. That's where the power of God will be. That's where the glory of God will be revealed. None of this will stop the church of Jesus Christ. Our biblical values are worth standing up for, even if the persecution is prosecution. What did Daniel do when this law violated God's word, which is the higher law? Verse 10 says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, it was done. It was over. Are you hearing me? And in his upper room, what was his response? With his windows open towards Jerusalem, with his windows open up towards Washington, D.C., with his windows open towards Raleigh, towards Charlotte, to the places where edicts come from, with his windows open, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. He didn't respond out of fear. He responded as he always did, walking in the power of God that comes through salvation. He gives us the ability the moment we walk in that relationship. Hallelujah, it's time to be a praying church. What happened to Daniel? Verse 16 says, so the king gave the command. They brought Daniel down and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver, deliver you, even mocking him all the way through. Can I tell you, I hate it when the voice of the enemy tries to get loud. It's so foolish, so foolish, but they think themselves so wise. But can I tell you this? This astonished me as I was studying. You need to know this, friends, and this is why I brought it out and held you this long, to be able to listen to one of these points. Daniel, I often thought, was a young man being thrown into the lion's den. Daniel was in his 80s when he was thrown into the lion's den, friends. In his 80s. Those of you who feel like you've got nothing left to give in this place this morning, that your best days are before you and you might as well give it over to a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, can I tell you we need you in this hour? Can I tell you to continue to stand up for what's right because you know what is right? We need you in this hour. We need you to send the messages like Wesley. We need you to stand up and pray and worship the God of the, the God of gods and the Lord of lords with our windows wide open declaring who he is. And what will happen to you? Watch what happens. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Why? Because nothing happened. So Daniel was taken up out of the den with no injury whatsoever found on him because he believed in his God. In verse 23, this is what it says, reminiscent of Jeremiah 17, those that trust in the Lord, blessed are they. Those who trust in the Lord and not in man. Verse 24, and the king gave the command and they brought those men, I need the worship team to help me, brought these men who had accused, excuse me, accused, I can say these words. 
So much for the wisdom of man. Accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones and pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel. Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It's amazing to me how Daniel outlives four kings in Babylon because he simply trusted in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. Remember, friends, we need to be a church that is found on its knees again. What, happened when the church, what happens when the church goes to Babylon? Where's the power found? Number one, Daniels rise up. Number two, youth will not bow. And three, the church begins to pray again. And we must go low during this season. This is how we close. I'll close with this quote from C.S. Lewis that says, all of us are equally bankrupt. Just some of us have not declared it yet. We walk in a season where we must recognize we cannot walk according to our own wisdom, our own dreams, and our own desires, but that we would be a church that triumphs in the midst of the fiery furnace, that we would be a church that that finds its voice. Young people, hear me. The Lord is calling you out right now. He's calling you out right now. Don't give yourself over to the, to the ways of the world, to what TikTok tries to tell you to do and what's cool and what's, what's to be popular. Don't go for what's popular. You will not thrive and survive. Go for what is honorable in the sight of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you will not bow your knee to any other God but the God who is Yahweh, to Jesus Christ. You will find your voice, and you'll be able to speak to our generation. We'll all be amazed because we know it didn't come from your parents' teaching. We'll know it didn't come from a textbook. We'll know it didn't come from your own natural wisdom, but it came from the Spirit of God. It's time to get caught away with the Lord. Kneel down before God with our windows wide open, friends. Every generation in this place, within the sound of my voice and those watching at home online, thank you for sticking with us, but it's time to get on our knees and worship God louder than we have ever had before. We will not be silenced. We will not be restricted to the point of not being able to praise our God. We will stand up for the Lord Almighty. Would you stand with me in this place? Father, I thank you so much for this word today. God, I pray that you have challenged us. Lord, that these wouldn't just be words that allow us to chew on a thought or an idea. We cry out, Holy Spirit, that you would be the power of God inside of us. We know that you are, but we submit ourselves to you. Lord, we recognize we cannot do it. We can't do it in our finest strategies, in our most beautiful buildings as the church in America. God, would you build your church? Would you build us up? 
as building blocks with gifts, as those with voices, as those with abilities that will defy the understanding of men in this hour and will go to places and be raised up and be put in positions of influence and authority. Would you raise us up as a young generation, as an old generation, as generations working together? Lord, we cry out for mercy. We cry out for mercy knowing that all that you bring us to, all that you bring us through, you are faithful. You are faithful to see us through, to work all things together for good for those that love you. No matter what pestilence, no matter what infirmity, no matter what edict or restriction, God, we will declare you are good and we serve you and you alone. Give us your voice. Give us our voice, God. Give us our voice as the church in America. Give us our voice as parents. Give us our voice as children. Give us our voice, God. Let us hear from your spirit. We need you, and we have to have you, God. We need awakening in Babylon. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. I'm just going to leave this time up to you. If you need prayer, I'll allow our prayer team to come, but I'll just open up this altar just for you to reflect upon the Lord and cry out to God and worship and to leave this place knowing that we must abide in the presence of God. We must abide in the vine. We must receive from him. Just receive it from him today. If you want someone to help you receive from him, we'll agree with you, but know that you have to walk out of this place and bow in your own room before God. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord.